Pastor Marion started a, a series a couple of weeks ago, and it was based off a word that God gave him way back at the beginning of the year uh, about this is going to be a year of marked moments. Everybody say marked moments. And uh, something he said last week, he said, hey, when you have a marked moment, everything changes. How many have experienced that? Say amen. amen. Yeah. And um, marked moments, like it's kind of hard to define because like he talked last week about some things that you might not want, but might be a signal that you're getting ready for a marked moment that you could lean into. And uh, they really do, they shift trajectory. Like you can be going and then you have a marked moment and it's like, like everything changes. Have you experienced it? Yeah. Yeah. But the, the tricky part is, even as we're preaching into this, is they don't all look the same, do they? How many had some marked moments you didn't want? And then you look back on it and you're like, gone, that was a marked moment and it was painful and it was hard and it was, it was difficult. Whew, I've had some of those. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about some of them. I'm not gonna go there. It's a different sermon. Um, but we, some hard times become marked moments, but then there's other marked moments that, um, man, they're just... They're spiritually powerful, invigorating. They might be scary still, right? But like God does something and you know he's there and he shows up in a significant way. And because they all look different, it also creates a little bit of potential fear. Because has anybody had the thought of like, but I don't wanna miss my marked moment. Like, I want it, but what if I miss it? What if I already missed it? Am I, like, is it gone, one and done? Like, I'm out? And so I wanted to just give you a few practical things. And actually, this is the sermon before the sermon. Uh, and, and Meg, I want to thank you uh, for your leadership. And then she just, hello, testing one, two. I was, I was ringing. It's the Holy Spirit. Because um, Meg gave you the scripture for what I'm getting ready to give you. Just like, Five quick little points This in the sermon, okay? So you gotta write quick, because this is gonna be quick. Five quick little thoughts about how to not miss your marked moment. And if you wanna put scripture on it, everybody say, I am good ground. That, that's it. Like you want your life, your heart, your spirit, your soul to be fertile soil so that when God comes in with a marked moment, you're, like it has ground to flourish in. So how do you do that? Just five quick little things. Number one, put yourself in marked places. Has anybody got a spot like up here at the altar that's like a marked place for you? Like, just point at it. Like, I know Rebecca, my, my sister-in-law, she says like right here is, is her marked place. Like this might be the whole, the church might be a marked place for you. Um, some of you, whether like Asbury University, it's, seen many revivals over history. And then we just had the recent one this year. Asbury is a marked place. It's marked. God's moved. He's done things there. It's a powerful, powerful place. And so it's a marked place. Put yourself in marked places. Places where God just tends to show up. Amen. Now, the, the caveat to that is not all marked places look the same. 
Because like, yeah, spiritual places and in the church and your small group maybe. But how many got some marked places that got nothing to do with the church building, right? How many of like, if you get out in nature, like God just boom, shows up. I thought about you, Mike, when I said that. Like he just shows up when you get out and there's mountains and waterfalls and um, like he just shows up. He speaks more at the beach, by the way, than the mountains, but can I get an amen? I like the mountains too. But when, when God spoke to Jesus in the mountains, it was the 40 days of temptation. Come on. Who wants that? Water. He walked on water. He calmed the storm. I mean, fed the 5,000 with the fish that came out of the water. See, water's better. Okay. So put yourself in marked places. Number two, surround yourself with marked people. Look around. Look at somebody say, what's up, marked person? Like, you marked, just tell them. Like, how many, you know some people that when you get around them, you get better because they've experienced God and they've served God and they've, they've stretched themselves. I don't, have you guys ever heard this, that proximity is power? That who you surround yourself with is who you will become? The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. What does good company do? It elevates your life. Put yourself around marked people. This isn't in the notes, but like, don't put yourself around people. I mean, don't like make this your inner circle who say they're a Christian or who go to church and that's all you ever hear about it. But they're Christian, Pastor Mark. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a difference between people that go to church or say I'm a Christian and some marked people. Get yourself around some marked people that their faith is grounded and firm and it doesn't just light them up, it lights up other people. So get yourself around some marked people. Fill yourself, oh wait, oh, I, had a, I had an illustration of that. Marked people, there we go. This is last year's uh, Two Streams Conference. And this is just a quick little illustration of the generational effect of you putting yourself around marked people because this is my place for the last 24 years I've put myself in this place. On the right there, that's our pastor, my pastor. On the left there, that's my son, Jack. He's sitting right here. Yeah. yourself in some marked places around some marked people and God will show up. He might even show up for your kids. Because God spoke some stuff to my son in that moment. Some pretty significant stuff. Okay, number three, fill yourself with marked content. Now, of course, foundationally, the word of God is active and alive. The word of God will shift and change you. It's not just a book, folks. It's the word of God. The word like it's the word that has power to change and transform your life from the inside out. But if you don't fill yourself with that marked content, marked for your destiny, for your calling, for your purpose, for the kingdom, you're not gonna be the fertile soil. You're not gonna be the good ground. So when he speaks, you're not gonna recognize his voice. When he speaks something crazy, you're gonna be like, well, I don't know about all that. But if you read the Bible and you start looking at all the crazy things he told people to do in the Bible, then you might be like, well, he, he did tell some people to do some crazy stuff in there. Maybe that's him. 
Maybe he's speaking because you fill yourself. Now beyond the word, put yourself like Bible study and worship content and podcasts and books and fill yourself up with stuff that not just, many of you use content. Have you guys, in our world today, there's a lot of content available. Are you filling yourself with marked content? Or are you just filling yourself with content? Because you can spend hours a day scrolling and get nothing for your spirit and your soul. Just gonna let that. You have more revelation at your fingertips than the first disciples could have even fathomed. Right here. Every version of the Bible, it'll read it to you for Pete's sake. It'll read it to you. You got the best preachers of the gospel in the history of the world. From back then and to today, you don't, like, if you can't sing like me, like, you got the best worship leaders. You can find people that are going through exactly what you've been through. All right there. And you can fill yourself up so that you are strong. So that you're being transformed. The word of God says, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on now. Now I fall into it too, but like some of us are renewing our mind every day and not the right direction. Can I help you? Stop it! I, I said it quicker because I thought you were going to steal my thunder. So seriously, stop that junk. Yes, the junk that is on your feed. And it... This was supposed to be quick, but some of y'all need to hear this because some of you are going to have some more time on vacation in the summer and you're going to be traveling and you're going to be consuming junk more than ever when you could use this summer as a spiritual rejuvenation to fill your spirit and your soul and strengthen you so that when God speaks on the beach and you're walking down the beach and he starts to speak and you're having a marked moment, you're ready. You see it. You respond. Don't waste your time on content. Fill yourself with marked content. Look at somebody and say, get marked. Number four, uh, do <laughs> what marked people do. This is not complicated. Pray, worship, read your Bible, get yourself in church, part of a fellowship of believers, do what marked people do. How many know some marked people? They've blessed your life. Stop acting like it's complicated to hear God and have marked moments and just do what they do. Do what the Bible tells you to do. What, what God himself told you to do and you did it for a little bit and then you got lazy. <laughs> oh crap. I just got convicted over something he told me to do and I stopped doing, dang it, man. Hey, what's he told you to do that you're not doing? Write it down right now, type it in your phone. What has he already told you to do that you're not doing? You got lazy, you got distracted, you went through a hard moment, 
Go back and do that thing he told you to do. Just do it. Don't make excuses. I love you. But we live in a generation of excuses, of pointing the finger of blame, whether it's COVID or the economy or your family members. Stop doing that so you can become who God designed you to be. Make some different decisions. And then finally, remember that marked moments can happen anywhere, anytime. Do these five things and then be ready. Be looking, be open, be seeking him and seeking his presence anywhere and everywhere you go. How many of you have had some marked moments that caught you totally off guard because it's not supposed to happen there? Yeah? Like, where's David Caliphant? Like, marked moments in Sam's Club? Really? Now, some of you, like, you got marked places that aren't marked places for other people. Like, I think of Parker Dalton and the, the, the golf course. That's a marked place for him. Anybody else? Is that a marked place for you? Absolutely not. Some of you, the gym's a marked place. Some of you, a particular hike or places. And it's a marked place for you. But remember, anywhere and anytime, you can experience the marked moment. But you have to be ready. Everybody say, I'm good soil. And Meg, that worked so good. We tag team. We didn't even talk. Holy Spirit just set that up. Thank you. Um, isn't Meg awesome? Anointed, mighty woman of God. Now, so all the marked moments are not the same. So let's take this a little further. Let me give you three. This is actually the sermon now, right? That was the warm up. Three types of marked moments. Marked moments, number one, can initiate calling and destiny. Not all of them do, but some, some marked moments, they will initiate your calling, your destiny. Matthew 4, 18 to 20, this is out of the Passion Translation. The disciples had a marked moment. As he was walking by the shore of Lake Galilee, Jesus noticed two fishermen who were brothers. One was nicknamed Kepha, later called Peter, and the other was Andrew, his brother, watching as they were casting their nets into the water. Jesus called out to them and said, come and follow me, and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. Immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately they dropped their nets, left everything behind to follow Jesus. Just an ordinary day. Doing what they always do, cast a net, cast a net. Working, doing the job, doing the job. And Jesus came along and interrupted their mundane, ordinary day with a marked moment. Just a reminder that he likes to do that. What if instead of just going through your ordinary mundane day every day, what if you started looking for him Amen. at your job? Yes. What if you started looking for him to show up in surprising ways at the gym? That's okay. What if when you walked the dog every morning, you said, okay, God, if you want to make this a marked moment, I'm ready. Like not just the dog marking the, the <laughs> but like a real, 
I had to say it, Tony. I did. Marked moments. God has a habit of interrupting our mundane, ordinary stuff. And he 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 doesn't ask permission, does he? In fact, he, he does not care about your schedule. He does not care about your regularly scheduled programming. He doesn't care it's inconvenient. (laughs) He cares about you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to be shook out of the ordinary. And that's what, he had this moment with the disciples and he called out to them. Now see, it was a moment brimming with the potential to be marked. But it wasn't marked until they chose to respond. See, Jesus will call out. He's always speaking. Amen? He's always speaking, but we're not always listening. Now, he might not be speaking the way you want, but he's always speaking. If you'll be good ground, if you'll be in the word, if you'll be tuned in to hear his voice, to hear what he wants to do. And see, that's why we always have to, we have to have our hearts and our mind and our eyes open to see and to hear what he is doing. We've got to be tuned in. I mean, how many of you got a job? Most of you, I hope. I know you got stuff. How many have stuff to do every day? Let's go with that one. Everybody raise your home, except some teenagers who just started summer break. We'll fix that. I know you got stuff to do. I got stuff to do too. But what if we invited them into that stuff? The ordinary, the mundane. What if you woke up every single morning and said, all right, God, I'm looking. I'm watching. I'm open, God. You, you do your thing, God, and I'll respond. But see, sometimes he speaks and we don't want to follow. We, we don't want to hear that. We ignore it. We rationalize it. We're like, well, that could be the devil. We question it. Sometimes we flat out run from it. Who's done it? Come on. Oh, man, we got liars in church. We need to, what the? Half of you, like most of you saying you never ran from God saying something to you. I love you. I I could have raised both hands and both legs, but you can't really do that at the same time. We don't like it. I'll share a story in a moment and I'll illustrate that. but, But when we respond with a yes to God, how many have done that once or twice? Just like for the disciples. Everything changed in that moment. He doesn't need you to figure out the details. He might call you to something that you don't want and you're like, but I'm not equipped. I'm not ready. That that whole old little saying that he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. All you have to do is be ready when he initiates to say yes. Everybody say yes. Say yes. yes. And we, we have to develop that muscle of saying yes to him. Let me share it. Can we have a little bit of story time? Is that all right? Because um, it's one thing to preach something, but some, I believe this, that one of the greatest tools we have to bring transformation to the world is our own story. Yes. 
what God's done in your life is often what somebody else needs to hear so that he can do it in their life. Now it's gonna look different and the details will be a little different, but your story has power more than you acknowledge or realize often. Um, you could walk up to anybody in this room who's a born again believer and say, tell me some things God done for you in your life. And that conversation could be a mark moment for you because you see something in your story and their story that you've never seen before. And so I was thinking about this idea of these marked moments and God initiating calling. And, you know, some of you will hear some new things. Some of you are going to hear some things you've heard before, but um, my grandmother grew up at this church camp called Camp Syker. It's been meeting for 153 years. Every summer for 10 days, um, we still go, got our little cabin and uh, Audrey got to go with Ella this year and got to experience. Now she's a lifer all of a sudden. So um, it was my favorite place growing up. It was my dad's favorite place growing up. It's my kid's favorite place growing up. It's probably their kid's favorite place growing up. But it all started with grandma. Grandma Ruth is what we called her. And when she was 13 years old at Camp Syker, God called and she said yes. Everything changed from that moment. See, your yes, your marked moment builds legacy. And she raised three sons, most of them mostly on her own because my dad's father passed away when he was young. And so three sons, my dad included, at Camp Syker every summer. And uh, there it is. Like, it, it's an amazing place. There is not a lot of uh, modern conveniences there. That's the outside of the same room. And... I can't tell you how many times I've counted the things up in the tile when the sermon was boring. I'm sure you've never done that, Jack. Um, there's the bell that rings all the schedule throughout the day. It's a very, very special place. And she raised my dad and his brothers there and all three of them said yes to a call to ministry. All three became pastors. When grandma passed uh, years ago now, um, I think nine, what was it? 12 of the 19 grandkids were in ministry or full-time ministry because grandma had what she had, a marked moment that she said yes to. And my dad, he was probably one of the, of the three brothers, probably the least likely. He was, he flunked out of college at Ohio State University. He was shy, socially awkward. Um, he would tell you all this like the least likely candidate to be speaking to a room full of people every week. And yet, um, God, he kept putting himself in marked places. Well, maybe grandma put him himself, like in church and put him here and he didn't have a choice, right? And God eventually wore him down. And I think it was just this past summer, we were at camp and uh, the guy was preaching. He was talking about surrender and God, Holy Spirit just moved in my heart and I stood up and if you've been to camp meeting, there's old school altar call. I surrender all and you just go down to the altar call. In fact, that was the song they were playing. And I went down to the altar call and I knelt down and just had a, had a marked moment. Everybody say marked moment. Had a marked moment with God. And knelt down there and just cried a little bit and 
I think my brother came down and knelt down and prayed with me. And I got up and I came back and uh, my dad's walking up to me and he's crying. Does anybody else tap into that whole, the older you get, the more you cry? It started like 30 years ago for my dad. So, and uh, he's through tears, he comes up and he hugs me and he, he looks up and he kind of on my shoulder and he's, that was my spot. Same spot where I knelt down was the same spot where he knelt down and answered the call to ministry. Everybody say Mark moment. And my story is my story. It's not your story. But you got to be in environments where you can hear. And there's an opportunity to respond. And be honest, like last year, I hadn't hit that older in a long time. But I can tell you about for the first 20 years of my life, probably 90% of the marked moments in my life happened at that camp meeting on that altar and the one in the other, the youth facility. And it was a, a powerful, significant thing. And, and so it started grandma and then dad and then me and now we've raised our kids there. And, um, you know, when I preached, so I grew up in Millersport, Ohio. Anybody, any Buckeyes? Go Bucks. The Ohio State University. Ooh. Hey, hey, everybody belongs, Kimberly. Be nice. Sheesh. I, I literally, Rick corrected me because I have orange shoes on. And I was like, last time I wore orange shoes in a blue, which if you're not aware is Tennessee colors apparently. And Michael Garrison, her husband, uh, I felt like he was gonna like take me up back and beat me up or something. So I, I went black and orange. I thought that was safer today. So anyway, <laughs> grew up in Millersport, Ohio, middle of the cornfields of Ohio, uh, about 40 miles east of Columbus. My dad was a pastor there for 17 years and got there when I was in the second grade and grew up all through there, right? And um, my brother, my twin brother and my two siblings, we were the PKs. That's preacher's kid for those of you who don't know. Let me tell you two things about PKs. Number one, when church was open, did we have a choice whether or not to be in that building? Yes or heck no. Heck no. Pardon the expression if you don't like that one, but no, 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 there was no chance. And the other thing about a PK is we grew up in a fishbowl. Everybody watching, holding you to the higher standard, right? They expect you to do ministry and things, right? Just part of the deal. Pray for preacher's kids because it's not an easy path. And um, so grew up there, we led in sports in school and of course in the church youth group and came around to senior year and we're doing the youth Sunday. How many been part of a youth Sunday where the kids take over the service and they do the music and the preaching that's teaching and the children's message, anybody know what that is? Yeah, you had to grow up in the Methodist church, know that. And I got tapped to preach the sermon on youth Sunday. And um, it wasn't my first sermon, but it was my first sermon in my daddy's pulpit. And my sermon was called, vividly remember, Radical Christianity. (laughs) Maybe a precursor of things to come. It was a 10 page typed manuscript. I think I still got it in my garage somewhere. And I got up and I preached with all the fire of an 18 year old who thinks he knows something. But man, I love Jesus. And I preached and I, you know, at the message church, everybody comes out and there's like the receiving line. And like, so you go through and shake everybody's hands. And so I knew it was coming, but I went out and I shook line. 
shook everybody's hand and like, they're like, oh, you're such a, an anointed preacher. And oh, you're called, everybody, everybody in the church was calling me to ministry. I remember one in particular, they said, you, you, you're gonna take, it won't be long, you're gonna take your daddy's job. And I don't really remember the sermon or preaching or what that felt, but I remember that line. And I remember the voice on the inside of me and what it said. And it was, no! No way! No, 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 thank you. You can't call me. And I was like, I'm out. Like, this is where like that whole running from God, questioning it. I believe that Sunday probably had potential to be a marked moment, but it wasn't because of the resistance on the inside of me. And I ran. I was like, no, no, I'm not gonna be a preacher. In my head, by the way, I had a limiting belief that said, I'm not gonna be a poor preacher. I could preach that, that's a different sermon, but like that was it. And I was like, no, 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 no. And so God had to continue to pursue my heart and continue to create moments. And I went away to college at Asbury down the road here. That's what got me to Kentucky. And wouldn't you know it, a family friend, my Aunt Vanjie, not really my aunt, but she was my Aunt Vanjie, and said, hey, would you come do, get some friends and come do a lock-in? I was like, sure, lock-ins are fun. Let's go have some fun and stay God was setting me up. <laughs> Freaking lock-in. So yeah, I'll come do a lock-in. Well, I did a lock-in. I put together a ministry team and planned the whole thing and scheduled it out and preached the word and got kids saved. And it was like amazing. It was so fun. And I was like, this is cool. And then other family friends found out and word spread. And so we ended up doing another one, doing another one, doing another one. And by the end of that first year, my freshman year, I'd played basketball that year at Asbury and it wasn't a great experience. By the end of that first year, I couldn't run anymore. I literally, because of so many marked moments stacking up and putting myself in the right places and around the right people, doing what marked people do, even if I didn't wanna do it, it just started to stack, start. By the end of that, I was like, I'm not playing basketball, I'm doing ministry, that's what I'm called to. Amen. Couldn't run anymore. Amen. So I, I hope you don't run anymore. Some of you are still running. He is so tricky at setting you up, I'm just telling you. So be prepared for it. One last one, and I know I'm sharing here a little bit, but again, is anybody seeing some of your story and my story? Because we all have these moments, and, and I'll, I'll tell you another reason I'm doing this too. One last mark moment, graduate Asbury, graduated May 8th, got married May 29th, started attending Bethel Harvest Church on, I don't have a date, but it was like September, August or September. And we walked in the first Sunday at the warehouse over off Alexandria Drive. Anybody know where it is over there? Off Alexandria Drive. Um, there it is, right there's the picture. Um, and uh, the first, and see, you know how they talk about storefront warehouses or store, storefronts is where churches start? We weren't a storefront. We were a, like a warehouse around the back. Like you had to drive around the back. It was like the loading dock was right around the corner there. And that's where it started. And Katie and I walked into that church the first Sunday and Katie was like, I'm home. It was like euphoric for her. She's like, I've been looking for a church like this. This is like the church I grew up in. Like she was home. And I was like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> I, I, I had just got baptized in the Holy Spirit my, maybe my junior year. 
of, of college and I grew up Methodist and anything charismatic Pentecostal, I was suspicious. Downright pessimistic, let's just be honest. I was like, they all, they all a little fruity flaky. And so she was like, we're home, which by the way, was a, most of you know, was a prophetic word that God gave our pastors before they planted the church. God told our pastors, you get the house ready. And when people come in, they're going to say it's, it's home. How many felt that when you got here? Yeah. I did not. She did. And again, God sets me up again because I'm like, yeah, I don't know about all this. And three people recruited me for the church basketball team that Sunday. I think Michael was one of them. I, I was gonna ask him today, but he, he was one, Frank was another one. They recruited me for the church basketball team. And all of a sudden I was like, we're home. Like, yeah, you're right, honey. This is totally home. Travis, we're glad you stayed without a basketball team. That's, that's good, I'm glad you did. Um, and, but again, sometimes it's a mark moment and you don't even know it is. And God is initiating something that will shift your destiny. And all he needs is a yes from you. He doesn't need you to know it all, have all the answers, figure it all out. He just needs a yes. And in that case, Katie said yes to Bethel. I said yes to basketball. Consequently, Bethel. And 24 years later, I've said a few more yeses along the way. I'm still here. And so when it's in retrospect, wow, look at that. That's some big hair too. Look at that. I don't know if you see that. Our friend Tammy. That was the beginning of it all. That place was marked moment. Sometimes you see it as God initiating something and sometimes you don't. But either way, every single time it will require a response from you. Everybody say yes. It will require a yes. And don't overthink it, but realize if you'll just say yes, God will take care of the details. Don't try to get someone else's story. Just say yes in your own moment. Say yes. Say, God, I'm open. I'm available. I'll play some basketball and check the church out. Just say whatever you need to do, but say yes. Now, as I rehearse some of those marked moments, here's my question to you. Here, here's my punchline why I did that. When was the last time you did that? Like, did, it, did I build anybody's faith in the last 15 minutes here? How much would it build your faith if you rehearsed your stories, your marked moments? Maybe you go back and you see some of the, those moments that in the moment, it didn't seem marked, but now you look back and you're like, set up, look at him setting me up. He tricked me. And so I wanna encourage you, maybe one of the fruits of today is for you to go back and rehearse some of those moments, to build your faith. If you're married, you've been on this journey a little while together, rehearse them together. If you're newer together or maybe a second relationship, go back and rehearse some marked moments you've never even talked about. Get with a friend, get with a family member and rehearse the marked moments because as you do, you will remind yourself that God has started and initiated so much on the inside of you because you, sometimes we forget what got us to here. We forget. We gotta remind ourselves. That's why David said you gotta encourage, him, encourage yourself. And I, I would dare say that every, just about every single person in here 
can go back and rehearse some things that you haven't thought about in a long time that would build your faith. And if you share them with someone else, hmm, is it possible it might build someone else's faith? Okay, so who's committed to rehearsing some of your marked moments? Say yes. Yes. Number two, second kind of marked moments is marked moments that expand your calling. See, the disciples, they got called in chapter four, Matthew. And then we're gonna jump down to chapter 14. About when they felt like they had figured some things out and settled into ministry and they know how this guy works and they've seen him do miracles. And they're like, okay, we we got this thing locked in. And then God says, nope, it's time for expansion. Everybody say expansion. Matthew 14, verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Marked moments can be scary, y'all. If you haven't had a marked moment that's scary in a while, pray for it. God, do something in my life that scares me, that intimidates me, that is so far out of my realm of understanding or expectation. God, just do it above and beyond. But Jesus immediately said to them, he was coming out to them walking on water. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So the disciples been serving. So in chapters four through 10, a few of the things that happened, a man was healed from leprosy, Jesus cast out devils, he healed the centurion servant, he calmed the storm, he healed a paralyzed man, he raised a dead girl back to life. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff, right? But do you know in all those moments and all those miracles, the disciples witnessed miracles and then he even came to the point where he sent them out to do miracles for other. But do you know there's not a recording in that, those passages, those chapters of them receiving one for themselves. Everybody say expansion. See, in that moment when Peter's in the boat, see, back in chapter eight, they were on a boat with Jesus and he was sleeping. Remember, he's sleeping down there in the storm and the wind and the waves. And they wake Jesus up, Jesus, we're gonna die. And what's Jesus do? Anybody remember? Tell me. He calms the storm, right? And they say, oh my goodness, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? They had been in storms before and Jesus calmed it. But he was in the boat and they were in the boat and he calmed the storm. Now they're in the boat, still another storm. Jesus is on the water walking. See, when God expands like has a marked moment that expands you, he's gonna, it's gonna be something different. Something you haven't experienced before. Something he hasn't called you to before. Oftentimes, something you do not expect. And like Peter, you need to be so close to him. See, the, most of the disciples on the boat, they were scared. Scared. 
But Peter remembered that last storm and Jesus calmed the storm. He's in the boat. Jesus is out there in the water. Storm could kill us. He knew the voice of God and had enough faith that he knew it was safer to be next to Jesus than it was to be in his boat. And see, if you want to hear God expanding your calling, step into that kind of marked moment, you're going to have to hear his voice. You're going to have to know him so much that you trust him more than you trust yourself, more than you trust your natural mind. You got to be good soil. Everybody say good soil. And that doesn't come by just showing up in church on a Sunday morning. I mean, do that. That's good. And then do some other stuff that marked people do. Get in a prayer closet. Get alone till you're not alone anymore. Get out in nature and say, God, show me yourself. Do some things that marked people do because when he shows up, it's gonna be unexpected. You're not gonna see it coming. See, in this moment, like seeing Jesus do miracles, that was easy for the disciples. Performing miracles for others, yeah, easy. They did that, he sent them out two by two, like, yeah. But getting out of their safe, comfortable boat, that took faith at another level. I mean, that was unthinkable. That was impossible, right? But if you want moments of expansion, right when you think you're settling in, how many have had this happen? Right when you're like settling in and you're like, I'm good, got this. Me and Jesus, we got some agreements. Like, okay, he's called me to do this. I'm gonna do this. And I see Aletha like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm. He done it to you a few times, hasn't he, Aletha? And then he's like, all right, now this. And you're like, what? But he'll do that. Pastor and Steph, before they planted Bethel Harvest Church and went into that warehouse and cashed in a bunch of their savings and planted this church, um, they they were like, I mean, World Harvest, where they were at, it, I mean, it was thriving. Pastor was overseeing the local church. There was like 10,000 people attending. He had like 300 people on his team. They just had a, their, their oldest son, Parker. I mean, they were like, they're making good money. Steph was doing real estate. They were good. Everybody said they were good. And then God expanded. Everybody say expansion. <coughs> Don't get too comfortable. Because God will take you through seasons and he will expand you into new things. Oftentimes when you least expect it. Um, I'll share one more story. And that was, so I've been here at Bethel for 24 years, um, coming on, up on that, exactly 24 in a couple months. And uh, I've been a, I mean, pastoring's in my blood. My dad was a pastor for 48 years and my brother's a pastor. My sister's a children's pastor. Like, all, like there's a lot of ministry, okay? Yeah. Like, it's in my blood. It's an expectation, easily. And I joyfully stepped into that calling and answered that call, as I shared earlier. And then in about 2015, God started saying some things that made me uncomfortable. And he said, Mark, I'm going to expand your calling. <laughs> what? And he said to me, he said, Mark, there's more influence and impact you're supposed to have. Local church is good. You're not exiting, you're not departing, but there's an expansion coming. And honestly, I wrestled with it. I resisted it. I I didn't know what to do with it even. 
But I finally came to a point where I said yes. At the time, I kind of knew it was business-related. And so I started devouring business and personal development. Somebody invited me into a mastermind and changed my life. And then a couple uh, years down the road, then I was like, oh, wait, maybe God's calling me to do that. Kind of done transformation in people's lives for a long time. And I launched my coaching business. And it was a wild, wild ride. And what started as like a part-time, make up the difference financially, very quickly became God confirming and confirming and confirming, this is the expansion, this is what you're called to do. That was like one of my very first masterminds. Man, I'm a lot skinnier there. Anyways. Um, and so I started this coaching thing and we did it on Zoom and, and God was using me to change people's lives. But all through the way, it was always, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm planted, this is what God's called me to do. Anytime I brought it up with Katie, she's like, no, you're not supposed to go outside of Bethel, like this is what you're supposed to do. And then, and then I'd think about it and then God would be like, no, this is what you're supposed to do. And then in 2019, we went to Israel and uh, I was about two and a half years or so into the, yeah, into the, the business. And I have a picture of it because my brother was walking by and snapped this picture. Little side chapel, everybody else had cleared out and I'm knelt down and I'm praying. Can you see the picture? It's Peter walking on water. And right when he's starting to sink and he says, God save me. And what's he doing? He's reaching out his hand and immediately he rescued him, right? I looked up at that picture and God said, Mark, it wasn't an audible voice, might as well have been. He said, that's your model. I said, what? And he said, Mark, it's time for you to get out of your safe, comfortable boat of vocational ministry, being a pastor, and go out into the marketplace and make me famous. Amen. I thought this was just a part-time thing. I'm a pastor, always been a pastor, supposed to be a pastor till the day I die. I thought I was gonna be like a 50-year-old cool youth pastor. That moment passed me. I'm not 50 yet, but. He said, get out of your safe. This is what I want you to hear. Get out of your safe, comfortable boat of fill in the blank. Doing the same thing you've always done. Dreaming small. not witnessing to others, your safe, comfortable boat of being okay with people around you, not knowing the Lord and not being saved, your safe, comfortable boat. Some of you, it may be a total shift of like, you've been doing this a long time, now you're supposed to do this. Or you've been doing this and you're supposed to add this. But I, I can't get away from the fact that God might be expanding some of your calling right now. In fact, you probably already know, I'm just a voice. Whatever your safe, comfortable boat is, expansion doesn't come while you're in it. Newsflash, God does not care about our comfort zone. Ha! He laughs at our comfort zone. He laughs at our plan. Not in a mean way, but because it's so much smaller than what he has for you. What he had for me. And when... Pastor and Steph prayed over me last year, year and a half ago. 
and I shifted from being on staff at the church to becoming an elder. Um, did anybody remember the language I used? God is expanding Mark's calling. And it's expansion, it's not abandoning, because hey, I'm still here. For the people that were like, yeah, he's not gonna stay. Hello! (laughs) Still here, not going anywhere. That was fun, everybody thought I was out. But when you're planted in a house, and you're in a marked place, around the right marked people, doing what marked people do, yeah, I'm not, no, no, not even in the plan. And, but that was an expansion of calling. What's your expansion of calling? What's he, what's a little scary to you? What's a step out of your comfort zone? Now, again, this is just one type of Mark moment. Some of you like, he's gonna initiate something today. Some of you, he's gonna expand you today. And some of you might get the last reminder. Number three, the reminder that your marked moments change generations. I don't, well, let me read this verse. I'm gonna read this because it's so good. Psalm 22, 30 and 31. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Legacy, generations. What you do with your marked moments ripples for generations. If Grandma Ruth didn't say yes at 13, I don't think I'd be standing here. That's why I shared that from Grandma to Dad to me to Jack, Ella, and Hudson, and who knows what they're gonna do. Some of them have already rippled into your kids as they serve and be kids. What you do ripples for generations. Now, some of you, you created some ripples back in the day and you got initiated something and you got saved and you raised your kids in church. And can I just tell you, lean in. You're not done. He ain't done with you yet. There's a fresh expansion, a new initiation of something new. You don't retire in the kingdom, it is unbiblical. David Hager just retired professionally, but he ain't retired in the kingdom. He's got new assignments and he's actually pretty well aware of some of those. Might be discovering new ones. He, man, he gonna bring a word in a couple weeks, I think. I don't know, soon. From the book that he wrote about along the way, it's gonna be good. But you don't retire in the kingdom. Why don't you stand up? You know, when we talked about marked moments, there can be this feeling that you just have to passively wait for it. But as Meg said when she was up here, when God created you, he put the, the power of creation on the inside of you. The Bible says you were created in his image. So if you're created in the image of a creator, that makes you what? Creator. And so actually have the power to create 
some marked moments. Now there's just some fun divine intervention. You can't orchestrate it, create, but like you can be good soil, right? Would, you, would y'all work with me here and give me about three minutes or so? And I wanna take you, cause I, I challenged you at the beginning to rehearse your marked moments. Can I prime the pump with that? Would you guys be okay rehearsing some of your marked moments right now? I want you to close your eyes and put your hands on your chest. And you're gonna have your eyes closed for about the next three minutes or so. And I wanna demonstrate for you right now the power of you rehearsing your marked moments. The power of you remembering all that God has done and maybe even envisioning what he wants to do. I want you to just take a couple deep breaths. Say, I'm marked. Say, this moment is marked. Say, I am marked. I want you to think right now about maybe a marked moment in your life that maybe initiated your calling. Maybe it was when you gave your life to the Lord. Maybe it was a significant spiritual moment. Just so you know, go back. Before you were 12 years there, go back to a moment earlier. Now, some of you, you're like, but I wasn't saved when I was before 12 years old. But go back and look for a moment that God showed up, whether you knew him or not, whether you were asking him to or not, go back and see the hand of God in your life. Somewhere in your childhood. Where did God move? Yeah, and you should do, I look over here and see Paul grinning from ear to ear. It should make you smile because God showed up for you. How'd that feel? Was there faith that sparked in that moment? Do you feel grateful right now? Because you had a marked moment. Maybe you didn't do anything to create it, but you, you were there and you said yes to him. Or maybe you look back and like Pastor Marion, you, you, you say, man, I should have been dead, but he saved you and he preserved your life. Look for another moment. Whether that's your childhood or moving a little bit forward, another moment, a marked moment where God spoke, where he moved, where something got started on the inside of you. What'd God do? What'd he do that nobody else could do? How's that make you feel? Go ahead and let your face be informed by the joy and the gratitude that you feel right now because God loves you and he marked you and he's marked you for years. And I want you to feel that, feel the pleasure of your heavenly father who was orchestrating the details of your life. He marked you. You were so important that he didn't let that moment pass without speaking into your life. Take a deep breath and just feel his love. Maybe feel the power, the presence of God in that moment. But remind yourself that you're marked. Everybody say, I am marked. Say, I'll never forget. Say, I am marked. I'll never forget. And now I hope you all have one of these but I want you to look for a moment where God expanded you. Where it's, he asked you to do something that scared you, that you didn't feel ready for, or qualified for. Is there a moment where you said yes and you weren't ready? You didn't know how. And go back to that moment and remind yourself that God, he marked you again. He expanded you. 
He might have tricked you into it like he did to me multiple times. He might have set you up, but go ahead and feel the joy that you are marked, that you are loved, that there is destiny on your life. And he marked you in that moment and it's still more real than you've ever known. Everybody say, I am marked. Say, I'll never forget.